Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. The Monday after the loss to the Packers, the Windy City Podcast, expanding on last night's rapid reaction. Mike Berman, NBC5 Chicago, coming on up here. Deep dive into the game against the Saints, what the season has been, a little bit on the pandemic, and we do start with the early years, growing up as a Bears fan. Mike does a phenomenal job covering the Bears for NBC5 Chicago. Gracious enough to take time today. The Windy City Podcast getting you ready for the Bears and Saints. It starts right now. Showtime. Hey Mitch, uh, what are your emotions right now? Obviously a, a tough loss to, to your rival again, but you still make the playoffs. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. Uh, can you guys hear me? It's not over. It is not over. That's right. I want to hear a celebration. Damn it. The Bears are in the playoffs. All right. That's enough of a celebration. Let me bring in my guy, Mike Berman, NBC5 Chicago, as we will do a deep dive on not only the Bears being in the playoffs and the Saints, but also where this football team is going. Mike, before that, though, I need your Bears bio. What is your first Bears as a fan, young Mike Berman memory? Oh, gosh. Um, I was born in 82. So, you know, the, the Super Bowl season is a little too early. I would say... You know, we're talking more like early 90s. You know, I remember going to freezing cold games with my dad. And I remember the guy in front of us who swore at Jim Harbaugh every five <laughs> seconds. And my dad was like, just just don't don't say what he says. So, you know, you were immediately you're indoctrinated into bad Bears quarterback play and fans being pissed about it. So I would say those are my. My first memories are, are like late 80s, early 90s. Um, 
going to games with my dad, getting the snowsuit on, getting 57 layers on and, and, you know, braving the cold, but having a great time watching even when the bears stink. I like to make these podcasts slightly uncomfortable, Mike. So yard line, how privileged are we talking? I was, (laughs) I, I was, uh, you know, Highland Park raised. We didn't have the glass backboard. We only had the wood. Didn't have the 10-man landscaping crew. Only had the four-man. I actually did have to rake the leaves. Um, our Bulls tickets were mezzanine in the corner. Where were these Berman seats? Let's see. They were about, uh, I want to say they were about the 20-yard line. Great seat. They were good. They were good. They were, But they were probably um, towards the very back of that bottom bowl um you know before soldier was renovated so they were good seats but i don't want you to think i was living like you know a a king or a prince here we shared those tickets (laughs) it wasn't a full season (laughs) yeah i i that's how we roll we had uh the bulls had sweet 16 tickets in the 1986 87 season so that was jordan's third year i was born in 73 so i'm nine years younger slash older than you actually let's do that right and uh yeah, let's get that right yeah for sure and so we had nine games and uh you know papa's good old good old my dad's buddy at seven and then the next year they're like hey uh we got this michael jordan guy and they're either going to be season tickets or you're out so then we had a third of the se- a third of the tickets which was uh about as lucky as you could get as a kid at that point right um, well i'm i'm in that same boat i'm very fortunate i always my, when I went to college, it was like story time. My friends would gather around and I'd tell them about growing up during the, you know, the, the Bulls dynasty of the 90s and going to the stadium and the UC to watch Michael Jordan play. And I, so I'm in the same boat. My dad shared uh, season tickets. It was either two or three ways. Um, and so, you know, I was there for, let's see, they, they, they won it at home in 92, yep. 96, and 97, right? That's right. So I, I wasn't there for 92, but I was there for 96 and 97. My mom and dad were there for 92. Uh, the big comeback by by the bench, yep. the bench guys. Yep. Um, but I remember uh, 96 on Father's Day was so cool, and then 97, you know, back to back and, and uh, on the way to the second repeat. But yeah, I mean, what could be more fortunate than to have grown up in Chicago or in the Burbs? I'm a Northbrook kid. So, you know, up near you in Highland Park, I mean, nothing better than getting to see Michael Jordan up, you know, live and up close when you're a kid. Have a little, little Louie's and then drive on down to the stadium. I mean, you were, come on. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I'm in. Or maybe, or maybe you venture over to Highland Park. Go to your turf and get some Michaels and then go down. There it is. There it is. Nothing like a good cheddar fry. All right. (laughs) If you're still listening through our – And no one is. And no one is. And that's okay. We still love you. Uh, And we appreciate it, by the way. Thanks for being on uh, the Windy City Podcast today. Mike Bourbon here. Uh, As you know, this is not a radio show, Carm. I don't have to reset here because you're not just joining. I'm working on that one. (laughs) let's, uh, Let's get into the Bears here. Let me get the Mike Berman predictions. Who of the three lot, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Mitchell Trubisky, who are you most confident in will be here next season, if any? Um, I mean, I really think that, you know, 
your coach and GM are, for the most part, tied at the hip. So I think both of them are back. I think Nagy is most deserving. And then I think that I think that Ryan Pace will be back too. And it was interesting. I, I saw um, I saw someone mention it on Twitter that apparently, though it's never been formally announced, there's a belief that Pace was extended an extra year to be in lockstep running through the 2022 season with Nagy, which does make sense because personally, in my perfect world, I think they keep Nagy. I am a, a believer in Matt Nagy. I know there's been a lot of questionable decision-making offensively when he was calling the shots, but I do think he has what it takes to be the head coach who has a lot of success as an NFL head coach. I'm not necessarily saying the play caller slash head coach, but I like what he brings to the table as the CEO head coach. Um, I would think the best course of action for the Bears is Nagy stays, pace goes, and a new GM comes in, and together they're choosing the next quarterback. But odds are that a new GM is going to want to hire his own head coach. So it seems more likely to me that with this late-season resurgence, everyone sticks around in terms of Nagy and pace, um, and they run it back next year at least. As far as Trubisky goes, he's made a compelling case to come back, but I think that it's going to have to be on the Bears' terms. You know, it's going to have to be on a friendly deal for them. If some, you know, middling or bad team out there wants to make Mitch Trubisky a nice offer for him and his agent to come and be their starting quarterback, I think you say, see ya, you know, good for you, go take it, but we can't. We can't bet on you with, you know, years and guaranteed money that you're going to be our guy as a starting quarterback. So to answer your question in short, Nagy, I think, is definitely back. I think Pace, 99% back. And then, you know, I think Mitch is, Mitch is a big question mark. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, it feels like a 50-50 with Mitchell. And I generally agree with everything you just said, um, although I want to dive into your Matt Nagy uh, love affair just to drop here in a second. But let's let me just let me make you the I'm gonna put you in Pace's seat, Mike. And the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick see something in Mitchell Trubisky. They don't see a ton, but they see something enough to offer him a two-year, thirty-two million dollar deal. Are you matching that? Two years, thirty-two mil. Well, how much are they guaranteeing? They're guaranteeing 21, heavy guarantee. Hmm. Well, I mean, probably not because at that point you're, you're able to, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty deep quarterback draft in terms of the first round guys. I mean, you're not going to be picking real high. You're going to be picking late in the teens or early twenties. So you're not going to get one of the elite guys, but, Maybe you have an opportunity to take someone who that you feel like you can develop on a friendly contract. Um, and you also have Nick Foles already under contract, not saying that's an ideal situation. It's far from ideal. Um, or maybe you, you throw caution to the wind a little more and you, you know, you fill a more pressing need in terms of like, uh, in terms of like a, a tackle or, um, 
what else would be a really pressing need for this team? I'm thinking with that first round pick. I mean, um, certainly, certainly, if Allen Robinson leaves, you're gonna you're gonna have a huge need for playmakers at the wide receiver spot. Um, so maybe you do that, and then you take a quarterback mid rounds, and you try and hit on a guy like a Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott in the mid rounds. Um, so I would say if it's gonna be 32 mil you know, almost two thirds of that or more than two thirds of that guaranteed. I think you got to pass on that. Do you think I'm about right on what he's going to get? Or do you think I'm too high? It's, it's a really hard question. Um, I think that uh, the, the QB franchise tag is going to be what? 25, 26 million. That. I have not looked at it, but that sounds about right. Let's just say for argument's sake, you're right. Let's call it 25 mil. I, be- I believe it's right around there. So it doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem like good value to slap Trubisky with the tag because then you're, you're, you're out all that money all of next year. Um, you can't do it. You, I, I don't see it. I, I just think that, I think that Mitch is, worth taking a chance in terms of like a one-year deal. Um, I think it's worth bringing him back. You've seen some positive growth over the last month. And I'm the guy who's been saying to people, don't read too much into it because, you know, it's been against some real dog teams. And on top of that, I think it's really dangerous to put a lot of stock in one month when you compare it to the whole four-year picture. But I do think that part of the problem Mitch ran into is the play calling and the way they were trying to run the offense. They weren't playing to his strengths. Finally, over the last four or five games, they've done that, and you've seen him take a step forward and be better. I don't think that he's the type of quarterback that's ever going to win you a Super Bowl on his own, but maybe if he's the type of guy who you can continue to evolve his skill set as it pertains to being like a drop-back guy who's able to read defenses and move through his progressions in the pocket, and you continue to play to some of those other strengths of using his legs, getting him on the move, maybe he's a guy that can allow your offense to be kind of what it's been over the last month, which for the most part, has been okay, right? I mean, if you took what the Bears offense has done for the last month or so and extrapolated that over the course of an entire season, you're feeling pretty good about that with a, with a decent defense. Would you agree? I would, and this is where I become the meathead here, and you're telling people to not read too much into it. I was... Becoming slightly, slightly optimistic and like rewinding back my Trubisky take, hated the pick when they made it, made no sense to me. Hang on a second. That guy went 28 and two and you're taking the dude that started at North Carolina, went eight and five and couldn't beat out a quarterback we've never heard of. That's a real aggressive play. Plus all the picks you were giving up. So I didn't, I didn't love it. But then when you saw what happened with Foles, and then he comes back, and he had this swagger to me. I don't know if you felt the same way, that there's a sort of an energy to him where he's trying to prove everybody wrong, and he was more on his own side, and I, I was feeling Mitch. But then you get to the Packers game, 
And it's like he completely regressed. And maybe it was in concert with the call, the, the play calling. But I, the, to me, Sunday yesterday was a huge concern. Like, all of a sudden, you can't go down the field again. Green Bay's defense is not elite. So, and I don't want to boil down the season to one game. But if you go out with, playing the way you did against Green Bay and then he doesn't look good against the Saints – to me, that has a big impact on, well, you know what? You move forward, you upgrade the offensive line, you make things more comfortable for Nick Foles, and you draft a quarterback and you go along. Unless you get a super, you can get him for whatever, two years and $10 million with five guaranteed. Okay, fine, you, if you want to bring him back. But other than that, which I don't think you're going to be able to get him for that level, that's what I would do. If they don't, I just thought yesterday was so enormously disappointing. I don't entirely agree. I think that what we saw yesterday, of course, you're going to be disappointed in the interception. Of course, you're going to be disappointed in that fourth and one where, you know, he's rolling out and he's locked on a Rob and you can see from the jump that it's, it's not going to be a conversion. Um, But at the same time, look at the deep ball. He threw to Mooney. (sighs) That might be the best deep ball you've seen in from him. In a long time, and granted, it was it was a good catch too, but you know, there weren't the unnecessary deep shots. There weren't the just outrageously bad mental gaffes. Personally, for me, like think about the fourth and one that I'm that I reference with Robinson. Limited there, strictly by the play call. They're cutting the field in half on fourth and one, and. Robinson was really the one guy that he was looking at. So that's where I think part of where Mitch has struggled falls on Nagy and, you know, in, in this short span here, Bill Lazor. But I also think, Mark, that I'm not going to be just the same as I'm not going to be swayed by one month compared to his entire career. I'm not going to entirely be swayed by the Packers game because you had for three weeks prior, actually really four weeks prior, where he was playing better. And again, those weren't good teams, and that's been part of what's plagued Mitch is he's usually been pretty good against bad teams. And then when he plays, you know, halfway decent teams or great teams, that's where he really struggles. But I just feel like the signs have been there that there's been progress. One of the things you mentioned is – you know, you feel like he. What, what, what did you do, what did you term it that Mitch has looked like? What I call it. I don't know if it arrogance, more confident, okay. more, just I, anger. I think the confidence is there. I think the confidence is there. I think the the effort is there a little bit, and it's really come down to he's gotten a hold of mentally how he's looking at all of this. When I hear him the last month or so, it's been better. he's talking about, I'm in a good space mentally. He's mentioned that a number of times. Um, it's almost like he's been sitting on, you know, a therapist's couch and working with someone. And they said to him, you just need to be able to, like, not care about what everyone's saying. And bad play happens, move on from it and be in a better place where you can realize that anything that has happened can't be fixed. 
Now it's time to go from that point on and play better from that point. And I feel like he's got a little bit of that. Like he's in a better place psychologically. I do think that because he finally went to the coaches, maybe they didn't listen to him and he'd gone to them earlier in the season, but he definitely went to them and they definitely listened in terms of some input. Hey, here's what I'm most comfortable with. Here's what I think is going to work well. It's like all of that seems to be coming together to produce a guy who at least has a better chance to have success on the field. Does that make sense? I mean, none of this is, I want to make myself clear. None of this is me recommending the bears go out and back up the Brinks truck and throw full trust in Mitch Trubisky, that he's the guy moving forward. You know, that he's a completely changed quarterback. Um, That's not what I'm saying. I'm merely saying that I've seen both in the press conferences and on the field, I've seen some things that make me think over the last month or so, he's grown. I agree with you. And that's why for me, and again, trying not to boil it down to one game, but the fact that we did see this, what I would borderline call a seismic change, like, oh, this guy doesn't care what anyone says or cares a lot less than he did before. He's mm-hmm. he's coming out of the huddle and he's getting to the line of scrimmage and there's just a certain presence to him and things are moving quicker and somehow the offense feels in much better sync than it's ever looked. Like, oh, we've got real change here. And then to see it go right back to at least that's how it felt to me. I I but you know what? I think to me, I look, I get what you're saying. He did not play as well against the Packers. But the reality is, the Bears aren't that good. <laughs> well, right. Are significantly better than them. So, what do you, in the end, what do you really expect? If, if you're basing your expectations in reality, well, wait, hold what on. did you really expect? The Look. Bears have beaten one good team, they won eight games. One of them okay, was but, against a good team. All right, I'm cutting you off. Hold on, let me let me ask you this because that you just you just really you got me somewhere here. Do you like right now how it's constituted? What do you think of their offensive line? Grade A, grade B. Well, I think it, better, it's right? Been improved with Mustafer. Right, I mean, white hair moving to guard, and Bars has been in there and been pretty good. They, right, those guys seem capable. And then you've got a pretty good running back, right? And you've got Allen Robinson, yeah. who's a pretty good receiver. Darnell Mooney's an interesting player. Cole Komet is, you know, has a chance to do something. Jimmy Graham's, you're you're squeezing whatever is left. My point is that, like, if you had an elite, I mean, Aaron Rodgers would make this, and it doesn't, you would obviously doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. But if you had a, you know, a top fifteen quarterback with this offense, it probably looks pretty good right now. I, I right? I mean, there's there's options out there for him. You're better protected. Yeah, it's, it's, it's better. I mean, I, I, but I also think that the indictment of why did it take so long for them to figure out yep. the line? Yep. Um, why did it take so long for them to make more of a commitment to running with Montgomery? He's not any different now than he was earlier in the year. He's the same bulldozing guy who sheds every first tackle who's incredible with yards after contact. Um, They just, they wanted 
not commit to him. And they made Mitch more of a guy who they asked to go through his progressions and stand in the pocket early in the season. And it's an indictment. It really is. Because had they made these alterations to the offense sooner, you know, maybe they're not in this position where they're the last team in the playoffs, headed to New Orleans, all but certain to be one and done in the postseason and be stuck in this cycle of mediocrity where, you know, they're picking midway through the first round, unlikely to get the type of, you know, uh, team-changing talent that you'd get if you just stunk and picked earlier. Yep, that's that's the problem where they're at right now is – but this is but this is this is the same narrative for the Bears for Forever. the last yep. thirty years. Right. You know, I mean it, it's just it's a vicious cycle and um it's obviously immensely frustrating for a fan. I mean, look, you and I are in the media, but we're we grew up in the Burbs and we're Chicagoans through and through. So we want to see the Bears, you know, kicking butt every year and winning. Um so it's it's frustrating for anyone who's watching it from this city. And it, it's just, you, it's hard to see a way out of it. Um, but it all starts and ends with, like you talked about, it all starts and ends with getting the quarterback position right. And when what happens in 2017 happened, there it is. That's, that's what can set a franchise back for Ever. half of a decade or more. And 2018, it turns out, was an aberration. You know, they, they had an elite defense. They had a defense that had so many takeaways that it gave the offense a number of extra possessions and a number of extra possessions in good field position. So that made Mitch Trubisky probably look better than he really was that year. All of a sudden, expectations are through the roof going into 2019, and it's been you know, mostly a disaster ever since. Yeah, and the defense, people have been saying that for the Bears to beat Green Bay or for the Bears to now do something in the playoffs, the defense has to get back to being elite. The defense is not going to be elite. It's it to me. No, because it's just it's just not. It's just right. And that, and that's another that's another place where I think where I talk about expectations being in the right place. Hopefully Bears fans by now and for, you know, hopefully the, the hundreds of thousands listening to this podcast. Um, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands, or at least hundreds. Um, you know, hopefully they can kind of see through the mirage of, of what maybe the defense was earlier in the year and kind of see the reality is that the defense just has fallen off. And now you're talking about potentially going to the Superdome to play without Roquan Smith. And, you know, Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen um, are question marks in the secondary. You saw what a great Hall of Fame quarterback did to, you know, Duke Shelley. Um, Aaron Rodgers was just picking on him all day. You saw what Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers did to scheme, you know, Danny Trevathan having to cover Mark. Marquez Velda Scantling Ugh. on a deep ball down the middle of the field. I mean, you know, Trevathan was like 20 yards behind him. Um, so, you know, these great offensive minds and great quarterbacks are going to do nasty things to this defense because right now it's nowhere close 
to what it was in 2018 or even last year. And a big part of that problem is the pass rush is non-existent. I mean, how brutal that Leonard Floyd hits double digits in sacks um, for the Rams over the weekend while Robert Quinn's out there, you know, making 30 mil guaranteed with two sacks over the course of the season. It's just, it's just a lot of things stacked on top of one another where this team fell short of maybe what it could have been. Um, and, and it's hard to think anything but they're going to New Orleans and coming back to Chicago with their season done. I'm actually expecting them at least to be in the game. I, the, the spread is nine and a half. I would play Chicago, play the Bears. But, um, you know, Ke- Kevin Fishbane had a good note in his piece, at the, in one of his pieces at the, over at the Athletic. He, he, uh, he bullet, bullet pointed it out. The Bears benched two quarterbacks. They had a six-game losing streak, which included multiple embarrassing losses on national television and a blown fourth-quarter lead against the Lions. That game still kills me. Uh, They changed play callers. The 2018 second-round pick at wide receiver didn't get to 500 receiving yards and had only two touchdowns. Rough year for Anthony Miller. The rookie tight end, for some reasons out of his control, had only 243 yards and a couple of touchdowns. We've seen glimpses of Cole Komet, but when you look at his stats, it's not exactly uh, over the top. No, here. because because the Bears refused to play him for half the year. Right. Another another head scratching move. Right. After after praising him and his teammates praising him that he's that a rook they haven't seen a rookie get it like him in forever uh, during training camp. Another head scratcher. Go ahead. They're, Keep going because there's more. Yeah, there's more. Their quarterbacks combined to throw 16 interceptions. They played the final three games without their two starting cornerbacks, which uh, that wasn't great. Obviously, that's not, this is not an indictment of them, but it's where they're at right now. Their $30 million edge rusher accumulated two sacks. Their $22 million safety had zero interceptions. What the hell happened to Eddie Jackson this year? Uh, you know, so. And couldn't tackle. Yeah. And. I just, if I'm George McCaskey and I'm sitting there and I'm evaluating this, hold on a second. Leonard Floyd, who I thought it was pretty obvious that he was close to being good and maybe he wasn't quite big enough, but there was talent there that, okay, now I'm. it's confirmed to me that we couldn't unlock it, but they could. And yes, they have Aaron Donald, but I'm paying a lot of money for... Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and now Robert Quinn, you would think there was enough help around him that he could have done that in Chicago. Oh, let me look elsewhere. Oh, yeah, what am, what do we, we gave up a draft pick, and what am I paying Nick Foles, and what did I pay Mike Glennon, and who did you pick when you had the number two overall draft pick, and, and what are the quarterbacks that were taken after him? Where are their careers at? I mean, it's hard to make a case if I'm – George sitting there that I really want to move forward with Ryan Pace, other than the fact that, you know what, I'll give you one more year because I don't want to pay anyone else right now, and I kind of like Matt Nagy, so I'm going to let you guys hang around. But the only way to sort of make a case for him in my mind is if you, okay, let's look at the young, let's look at the youth on the roster. And there is some talent there, but there's been a lot of swing and miss, man. And I know they don't want to start over, but sometimes you got to face reality. I think that... Ryan Pace has hit a number of home runs middle and late in the draft. Um, Eddie Jackson, Bilal Nichols. um, 
Who else? Who else? Who else? Tariq Cohn. Tariq Cohn was a good pick. Jordan Howard was a good pick. Jordan Howard was a good pick. Uh, there's there's plenty of examples of him doing well in the middle of the draft and late in the draft. Obviously, where he's just completely swung and missed and fallen on his face is um, in the first round, starting with Kevin White, going to Mitch Trubisky. Um, Leonard Floyd, you know, showed flashes. I'm willing to chalk Leonard Floyd a little more up to some injury trouble while he was in Chicago. Um that's somewhat fair. But, um, but um, I mean, the one he really hit was Roquan Smith. Um, you know, Roquan's, the fact that he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl was a joke, and he should be an all-pro um, I mean, this it, year. Look, Bilal Nichols was a good fifth-round pick in 2018. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, like Mooney this year. You liked Darnell Mooney, but you did, and this is nitpicking here, but you picked in that fifth round, you picked Kendall Vildor and Travis Gibson in front of him. Like you had the right guy, but you didn't have it scouted in the right order, but at least you got him. Um, well, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't fault him if he got him. Yeah, no, it, um, it's, it's unfair what I just said, but uh, look, they, but I think speaking to what your, your, your point is the expectations should be higher, right? Then just, Right, eight and eight in back-to-back seasons, and then being competitive, or you know, at least an average team, um, the expectation should be higher. But what's the reality for the Bears? They rarely make the playoffs. I mean, this is since what? Since nineteen ninety-four. This is their sixth or seventh playoff appearance. I mean. So making the playoffs in two out of three years is it's like cause for celebration at Hallis Hall. Yep. And but see that that's the other thing, like, do you get rewarded because historically your franchise has smelled so bad? I you know, that's not really how you want to assess it. On the other side though, like, look, I mean, from a naggy standpoint, if we really you're firing twelve and four, eight and eight, eight and eight doesn't really deserve to be fired. He's not the guy that drafted the quarterback. Is he... He's not the guy that drafted him. He didn't ask for, you know, Trubisky or Glennon. Um, I know Foles is his guy. Um, that one, but... too. At the time, I'm like, you guys need to pick people that you're not best buddies with. Enough with the friendship thing here. Go go off the board. This is not going to work yeah, well. Yeah, but, but how how good would Cam Newton have been? Right, not good. You know, I mean, look not, look not... how he, he had a bad year, you know. I think it's at some point you're you're just looking at retreads that just they aren't very good as you know they they have fatal flaws like for Foles you know he's so immobile that you're so limited in what you can do um, and behind a, a poor offensive line before they'd made any of those changes he was just a sitting duck back there and it was uh, it was ugly but um, let me before you go further that, would you. Just because their offensive line is so much better right now, I'm actually, like, the way they were playing against the Packers, I'm sitting there like, if you guys are going to be this timid, then put Foles out there and let him see if he can go down the field. Like, that's where, I, I mean, I went to that part in my head at least for five seconds. I, did you have that thought in your, I'm, I'm guessing maybe. No, I, no, I, I just think, I think Trubisky gives them a better chance to win in his versatility and his athleticism. And I think, you know, look, that's your guy you've been investing every first team rep in now for a month or so, that's your guy. You know, that's, 
that's your guy you've won you won three straight behind after losing six in a row who at least gave you you know a, a shot at the playoffs I, I think I think you're gonna you're gonna go down fighting with Mitch as your quarterback but I want to I want to I would just want to finish my thought on Negi because yeah. I agree with you that strictly based on record he he deserves to come back but let me tell you why this is why I think it because even though he's gone eight to eight and back-to-back seasons eight and eight and back-to-back seasons I consider that overachieving for the most part and it's it's mostly because of something you mentioned he didn't ask for Mitch he didn't ask for Mike Glennon um the defense has regressed over the last two years. So I think you're talking about a head coach who comes from this Andy Reid tree and has creative offense, um, but was handcuffed. His hands were tied in terms of what he could do because of poor quarterback play. And because of, I would say, mostly subpar. I mean, last year's offense was absolutely anemic and abysmal the the tight ends were non-existent um you know anthony miller flashes but he's also a guy who can disappear um you know you really could count on one guy to catch passes last year in Allen robinson this year you've added darnell mooney who's been he's been a revelation he's been awesome um and you've added jimmy graham's far exceeded expectations Cole Komet, you know, has been pretty good in the second half of the year. But overall, I think that Negi, to get these two teams to 8-8, eight and eight, is almost, you could argue, overachieving. And so, to me, that's why I've never really, truly believed that his job was on the line. Um, I think that's more frustration-speaking and, and fan-driven, you know, when you're talking about, the rumor of, oh, is Nagy's job safe? To me, it's more, is Pace's job safe? And I know that, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, sometimes if the GM goes, the coach is going to go. So, um, you know, Nagy, the danger of Nagy losing his job is more, is more on, well, would Ryan Pace lose his job? I think Matt Nagy on his own has done enough and more to merit coming back. And I don't want to bury the lead here 40 minutes into a podcast, but what I think makes sense and the rumors that I've heard is that the Bears may bring, like Ted Phillips is either going to A, retire, or they're going to slide him over into some slightly different role, and then a team president is going to come in and he'll be in charge of Ryan Pace and, you know, on down the line. Which and t- someone who's and someone who's a little more football oriented, you right? Know, so that, that's what the Cubs, the Cubs and the Blackhawks now just recently, you know, splitting those presidential duties between the business side and the on-field, on-ice side, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Right, and exactly, it makes sense. You got to get the right guy, but I just like that part of it. It doesn't seem like rocket science to me. Like, let's go to the Cubs. I'm Tom Ricketts. Okay, Jim Hendry, you've had your run. Thank you for your service. Who's the best guy out there? It's this guy in Boston. His name is Theo. Okay, let me go see if I can get him. Great. Now, you turn it over to him, and oh, there we go. Five years later, you won the World Series. I mean, it doesn't always go that smoothly, but 
you don't need a search firm. Go ask around who's the best guy. What and if you get consensus that it's John Dorsey or whoever else, that's what you do. It's Chicago. You make him a handsome offer. And if you don't get the first guy, go get the second guy. And you know, it doesn't this does not have to be that complicated. Am I missing something? But you gotta use the search firm because you gotta waste all that money and be able to hide behind the search firm when it doesn't <laughs> yeah, go right. Yeah, right, right. But that but that's the thing. Like that doesn't you can't hide behind it because they're like, they didn't even know anybody in the game. You know, how do you hire a search firm? Which I think is a fair criticism. Like, what do you mean? You, this is your family business. You don't know who to hire right. in the game? Like, come on. I mean, I think it's just I think it comes down to, you know, habits and old dogs being able to learn new tricks. And, you know, when are they going to be comfortable parting from what's been um, working financially because, the bear, you know, the Bears are still a cash cow. So when are they going to be comfortable parting from that and Ted Phillips, who they're comfortable with, and the structure that they've, you know, worked under for years and years and decades and been comfortable with to do something different? I can't answer when that's going to happen, but it always seems to me that it it can come down to that when it's like longtime family ownership, stepping out of that comfort zone and doing things that you're not comfortable with the way you haven't done things, but that, you know, I agree with you, Mark, that could really benefit you in the future. You just hit the nail on the head, by the way, this is about comfort. This is about who's in the building and just loving where you're going and not willing to and control that's all in there. So you ain't growing if you're not just a little bit uncomfortable. 365 days of car and follow me on Twitter. Um, so let's <laughs> let's get out of the comfort zone, Bears. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up with this. What's your prediction? Do you, you, do you have the Saints covering the nine and a half? Do you have the Bears perhaps stunning the world? Where does Mike Berman come out? I, I like the Saints to cover. Um, wow. I mean, I think, you know, they, they probably uh, uncoincidentally got the Sunday slot. Kamara likely back. Michael Thomas potentially back. You know, he only caught 800 footballs last year and 700 the year before. And Kamara only scored 600 touchdowns in one game. Um, you know, when you got Drew Brees running the show, and I just think that this Bears defense especially – if it's without Roquan and there's, you know, there's certainly reason to think that this elbow injury isn't just going to heal in time for Sunday's game. And if you're without screen, who's got a concussion and those are always huge variables. He hasn't practiced in since he got it, Jalen Johnson, they're not shedding any light there, but he may not be playing either. I, I just think that the defense I feel like this is the cumulative effect of the defense having to carry the load for so long. They're just kind of breaking down and the exhaustion levels there. And I think that breeze and that talented saints offense has its way for the most part, or at least over the course of four quarters. And the other thing Mark is the saints defense is good. I mean, it's, yep. it's top five in, you know, virtually every meaningful major category and so I think that um, that combination in their building inside the dome, that's where Breezer is going to be most comfortable. You know, I think, um, I think unfortunately that the Saints win by double digits and it's really not that close. 
if that's how this season ends, it's going to feel disgusting. It just yeah, it's gonna it's gonna stink. I mean, because like, again, like I said, in all likelihood, it's going to be status quo with Pace and Negi, and you're going to look at it like, yeah, they made the playoffs, but only because you know, in this weird COVID season, they added a playoff berth. And when you look at the resume, they they will have beaten one good team. One. On a Thursday and night. That's on a Thursday night on a short week yeah. when really anything can happen. It really will feel like there will be very little positive to take from this season. I think – David Montgomery's resurgence and his usage is a positive. I think Darnell Mooney is a positive. I think what you've found in Mustafer and Bars and moving Cody Whitehair to guard, I think you've found some things there that are positive. Um, but aside from – I think Jalen Johnson was a real big positive defensively in the secondary. I really liked what he brought. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to bring Bilal Nichols back, but – he was a major positive in terms of his growth. But those are like, those are individual growths, not so much team growths. So I'm just having a hard time, like you're saying, I think it'll, it'll leave a real crappy feeling in your throat and stomach if they do go get the, blow, the doors blown off them at the Superdome because I think you're going to feel like, yeah, they made the playoffs, but really all it did was continue this cycle of mediocrity where, where you know everyone's coming back and they're picking in a place where they can't get or they're unlikely to get the elite franchise quarterback because they're going to be off the board by then. So, yeah, it's going to, I'm expecting next Monday to kind of just feel like an all-around downer. <laughs> so with that said, Happy New Year, everyone. Go out and crush it in 2021. I love you all. And um, in all seriousness, Mark, this was fun. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate the invite. Mike, I really appreciate you doing it. It's fun having you. And 2021 for the fun. This is the year. <laughs> we deserve it, damn it. 2020 was, you know, everybody in 2020 sucked. I'm not saying it didn't. But there was a lot of learns in 2020. And there and I think some of us, at least, who were fortunate enough to keep jobs. And I know so many people did not. But there was, there was a lot more freedom in 2020 on some of this that uh, I personally enjoyed. I shouldn't put that on the air anywhere. It was really hard at work. I do not deserve (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, the reality is we had to spend so much time at home doing work, which was unusual, especially, you know, for you and I, um, you and me who would normally be out at, at games and practices reporting so much. That was my biggest silver lining was more time spent with my wife and my kid, my family, that was really a special thing. And it did put everything in perspective. It really reminded you what's most important. And of course it's sad that it would take a pandemic that's killed so many Americans and made life so difficult for so many Americans for us to realize that. But if we can take a positive, if there is a silver lining, it's that it reminded us having our family, being healthy, having an opportunity to have a job that we love. Very few things are more important than that. So um, I like the positivity. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we gained that kind of perspective in 2020. And hopefully 
we're not forced to lean on perspective in 2021. We, we actually have a chance to, you know, go to games and interact with people and see our family without masks and go travel the world. And, uh, yeah, let's hope that's all happening. That's coming here. Yeah. Cause right now in 2021, it still has that 2020 feel, but hopefully we're going to turn the corner <laughs> any moment. Nothing's changed. The, the only, the only thing 2021 has is it's, it does. It's not 2020. Right. That's right. right. You're right. Because otherwise, it, it basically is. So is anything different around I'm looking here? Looking forward to the future. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It was, was kind of like, all right, 2020. No, okay, we're doing the same exact thing. Hey, Mike, appreciate you know what's it. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, as I continue to extend the time. My my car died on the on January first. So I was like, <laughs> really, 2021? Come on. Yeah, I uh, this was a reset, right. and then that happened. It can't get worse, can it? I'm gonna hold that it can't. But uh, we're we have not exactly turned the corner quite yet. We'll see if the Bears can do it on Sunday. Mike, let's do this again. Appreciate it, brother. Anytime, man. Thanks for the invite, and uh, take care, everyone. Appreciate you checking out the Windy City Podcast. Anybody who leaves a review, you get gifts. Do it. I will. Uh, Anybody with the review, we've got gear for you. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Mike Berman for joining today. Go Bears! Bears! And there we go. Dude, that was fun. I enjoyed it.